The federal government just announcing travel restrictions for Southern Africa after a dangerous new COVID variant has been identified. Canada banning travelers from uh, Southern Africa as a precaution. Have a listen. Here was part of the announcement you heard just moments ago here on Global News Radio. We are banning the entry of foreign nationals into Canada that have traveled through Southern Africa in the last 14 days. Southern Africa includes seven different countries, South Africa, Mozambique, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Lesotho, Eswatini, and Namibia. All right, for more on this, here is infectious diseases expert, Dr. Gerald Evans from Queen's University. He joins us once again on the program here on Global News Radio. Dr. Evans, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Okay, this new variant is called Omicron. Now, we've seen variants before, but Dr. Evans, why is this one so concerning? Yeah, great question, Jeff. Uh, So Omicron is really um, uh, concerned just simply because of the very large number of mutations that have been seen uh, in the initial genetic analysis of this particular variant. And and some of those uh, we've seen before in some other variants, but some of them are relatively new. And it's just literally the sheer number of them that has caused some concern and speculation about whether it might have immune escape, vaccine escape, or even potentially increased transmissibility. Just mention the word concern. The World Health Organization has just designated Omicron as a variant of concern. Can you tell us what does that mean exactly? Well, we have really two uh, levels for variants. One is called variants of interest, where we're kind of examining it and trying to figure out what it is all about. Variants of concern usually elevates it, and it means that what we're seeing at the moment is uh, some demonstration of that potential for either increased transmissibility. So it's been seen around uh, South Africa, and as as was commented on earlier, has already seen some spread to a neighboring country, Botswana. And that's the kind of thing that sort of has now raised the level of concern that this might be something that would emerge as a more dominant variant than what it currently looks like it is. Okay, do we know if Omicron, is it resistant to the current vaccines we have? I know you alluded to that uh, a moment ago, but uh, do we know for certain whether or not we're protected from this with the vaccines we currently have? Right. So we have no evidence at the moment uh, of that. It's uh, speculated upon simply by looking at what those mutations are and whether they might affect where, say, an antibody that you got from getting the vaccine would bind and prevent the uh, the virus from infecting you. So right now it's all speculation. We have no hard proof that that, uh, that currently is an issue, but it's obviously one we're going to be paying a lot of attention to. Sure. Is it more transmissible, do we know? We don't know that either. Uh, It does look a little bit like um, a a larger number of cases in one particular province in South Africa have now been identified to be Omicron. And so that's starting to sort of push the issue is, is it able to outcompete Delta? So, you know, one of the things I would really emphasize is we don't know a lot about this variant. We're going to learn a lot over the next little while. I think the good news is we've, uh, through all this genomic surveillance that's going around the globe, we found it. So now we can really start to examine whether all these issues issues, which right now are speculation, are going to bore, uh, bear out to be um, an issue or not. Okay. What about those that are really a concern? You mentioned the World Health Organization calls this a variant of concern, but for those that are concerned right now and are hearing about uh, some of the travel measures Canada has just enacted just uh, moments ago, uh, what would you say uh, to them? I mean, is this just a, you know, a good strategy of moving forward for Canada and others, and we need to take a bit of a wait-and-see approach? I guess don't overreact? 
Yeah, I, I think that that's part and parcel of it. We know a number of countries have already initiated travel bans. The only thing I'll say is that what this pandemic has shown us over and over again is by the time you start to shut borders and put travel bans into place, these variants have already emerged out. I mean, there is has been increasing travel now over the last you know uh, 10 or 11 months around the world. And so the potential for this variant to already have emerged, and we now know there are cases in Belgium which appear not to have uh, roots um, or at least some connection to South Africa. I, it's unfortunate to say that it's a bit like closing the barn doors after the horses have bolted kind of idea, but it may help to shorten or at least um, reduce the ingress of this particular variant to various uh, jurisdictions around the world. So it uh, hasn't been a big success story in the past with, with uh, travel bans, but uh, you can certainly see why governments would uh, put that into place because we know the public is worried. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, just medically speaking, a travel ban like Canada has just enacted uh, moments ago. Does that make good sense? And should other countries uh, maybe consider this if they haven't uh, already when it comes to suppressing this uh, mutation, this uh, variant and trying to keep it contained? Yeah, like I said, I don't think travel bans have really shown us throughout the pandemic that they actually work. Once we, you know, worried about Alpha, it had already come into Canada. Once we worried about Delta, it was already in Canada. So, um, uh, again, I, I think it's more of a, a question of politics sometimes than it is science uh, that travel bans are necessarily effective. But if we can slow the ingress and learn more about this variant by a travel ban, then that may prove to be something uh, worthy of, of enacting at this point. I wanted to ask you as well, I mentioned a second ago or asked you whether or not this was more transmissible. Is Omicron, is it more deadly? Could people, more people end up in hospital? Could we have an increase in hospitalizations uh, with this variant? Or again, is this something we just don't know yet? Yeah, we just don't know. And and that, that's always the other question that pops up. Is this going to be a variant that uh, causes more serious outcomes? If it has immune or vaccine escape, uh, and presuming it has the same um, uh, lethality, if you want to put it, as the original SARS-CoV-2, then we are going to look at more uh, hospitalizations and you know ICU stays and, of course, more deaths, because we know that certainly uh, people who don't have vaccination are, are at higher risk. So you don't even have to invoke that as a, as a concern to work worry better, but we really don't know at this point. And again, something that's going to be worthy of, uh, of examination. Yeah. Where are we when it comes to uh, vaccines and moving forward? Can you give us maybe just the 30,000 foot view here for a second, Dr. Evans? Because obviously a lot of people are uh, concerned when they hear about Omicron or any other new variant and uh, whether or not we've got adequate uh, protection, uh, not only when it comes to the efficacy of the vaccines that we have and how long they last, but to whether or not, again, the vaccines we do have can combat this variant or, or others. I mean, are scientists continued and researchers working around the clock on uh, vaccines to improve them? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple of things to say. One is that the emergence of this variant probably is related to the fact that in South Africa, only about 25% of the population is fully vaccinated. So getting vaccinations is really important. To this date, and right now waiting for evidence, uh, we haven't seen a variant that has emerged that has vaccine escape. So the vaccines are effective. The last thing that I would really push as a very strong point is that uh, we know that we can, uh, from uh, the development technique of mRNA vaccines in particular, it would probably only take about six to eight weeks for a company like Pfizer, BioNTech, or Moderna to produce a new vaccine with this variant's change spike protein uh, that would then be an effective vaccine. So lots of uh, optimism in the fact that we have the technology to be able to address this should it pan out to be, for instance, a vaccine escape variant. 
All right, one last question on Omicron. What does this do, if anything, to kind of the timeline of this pandemic eventually becoming an endemic? I know the Premier, Premier uh, Ford, uh, a few weeks ago uh, laid out a a plan. I think it was uh, the end of March, early April. He was hoping to ease up on most, if not all, public health uh, restrictions. Does the emergence of this variant, uh, does it change things or all bets off now? Yeah, I think it, it it certainly puts into some degree of concern about following a prescribed timeline. And, you know, we talked about this when that was introduced. We said there are lots of things that could happen into the future, including the potential emergence of a variant of concern that pans out to be more transmissible or demonstrate vaccine escape. So that really kind of throws everything up in the air at the moment about whether you progress along what were at the time sort of prescribed timelines for reducing measures, et cetera. Joined by infectious diseases expert, Dr. Gerald Evans. Dr. Evans, while we have you here, I also want to ask you a couple questions about pediatric vaccines. We saw the rollout begin uh, this week. We've also got uh, reports that there are 160 COVID outbreaks in Ontario elementary schools alone. So does that uh, underscore just uh, how important it is to get these shots into little arms? Yeah, absolutely, Jeff, because, you know, what we haven't been hearing about are a lot of school outbreaks in high schools. And that's because high school students, they're of an age where they were eligible for vaccination. And we know vaccine uptake in 12 to 17 year olds was actually huge. So it underscores why vaccine rollout to five to 11 year olds is going to be really important in getting these school outbreaks squashed, get them reduced substantially, because uh, although these outbreaks oftentimes are small with perhaps only two, three or four students, the fact of the matter is it produces uh, great breaks in, in education, which is incredibly important to children. So, yeah, it, it really underscores why we need to get uh, vaccines into children who are now eligible for them. Yeah. Do we need to look at closing some of these elementary schools, do you think? Or, you know, I was reading about this uh, earlier this morning that pediatric vaccines, because the dosage is a uh, smaller and they're going into smaller humans, uh, if you will, that uh, that first dose may be uh, a little more potent and effective than uh, maybe people your age or mine. Yeah, there's no question that children get great responses to vaccines that the level of antibodies they produce even after a first dose and with this smaller uh, you know 10 microgram dose it's in Pfizer yeah we're we have an expectation that's going to happen but you know we're still working on the timelines that two shots is full vaccination we know that even after the first shot most of the studies suggest that the onset of of some improvement is really at about 12 to 14 days so kind of stick to that until we know a little bit more but it is uh, certainly a potential signal to see uh, going down the line as we vaccinate five to 11 year olds all right dr evans always appreciate the conversation in the time have a good weekend thanks thanks for having me you too all right infectious diseases expert dr gerald evans from queen's university with us and we're back after a break here on global news radio Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.